Okay, there you are. Hopefully, it has been a wild and crazy morning, and I'm coming at you an hour late, better late than never, and we are just um, having a great time here already. I'm, I'm loaded up with my Yeti mug. There's been a wasp flying around out here on a kamikaze mission, and so if I have to divert briefly to take care of business, you understand we are in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20. And before I pray, let me just, um, let me just say that in God's providence and grace, the themes that we've been talking about in first Peter, uh, particularly yesterday intersect strategically with what Matthew is talking about. And that's the kind of cool stuff that God does. We think about this radical call on the part of Peter when he says, exercise your freedom by becoming a slave to Christ. And he inverts the whole notion of what greatness um, is in the kingdom of God. And of course, that's Matthew's theme. And as we prepare to dive in, let me pray for us. Thanks for being patient. Thanks for circling back here amidst our technical difficulties. But here we go. Lord, um, we are amazed at how you just bring certain themes to bear in our lives providentially. And we're asking now, Lord, you have our attention. And so, Father, would you speak to us through your word this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And we know from the other Gospels, and we also see it here, which, which we're going to talk about in a second, this messianic expectation, this fervor that is following Jesus up to Jerusalem. Um, he's geographically making his way from the area of Judea. He's going through Jericho. He's going to be coming in there through Bethany. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Uh, there is this expectation that this is the time that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. This is going to be the time when he leads the people in an overthrow of the Roman government. And what Matthew is showing us here is that as every step closer to Jerusalem gets, as the people's expectations rise as to, and their volume increases about what they think Jesus is going to do or should do, Jesus's volume rises in proportion to show them what he is all about, what he is going to Jerusalem for, and it's a radically different agenda. They want him to go to Jerusalem to reign. He tells them he is going to Jerusalem to, to die. And, and as a part of Jesus aligning or attempting to align the people's hearts with what he's actually going to be doing, He's doing these teachings along the way, and Matthew spotlights them for us to help remind us that the kingdom of Christ is not of this world, that the kingdom that Jesus is building is radically different. Um, we are, Jesus's kingdom is, it's a road marked with suffering. It's where the last will be first, and the first will be last, and the humble will be exalted, and the exalted will be humbled. Because this is the way of the cross, right? This is, the, this is God's call 
on his people in all times and all places to suffer for his name, to take the lowly position, because that is the way that we are participating in the sufferings of Christ. So, so that's sort of the context. And there's four um, episodes here, four sections that that Matthew highlights for us to kind of press this point on for us. Okay, one is the first one we see it in verse one, chapter twenty. This this parable about the laborers in the vineyard, and and this is a parable. And just briefly, where um, the owner of the vineyard hires a team of workers to come in first thing in the morning and to work for a denarius for the whole day, which is the typical wage. But all throughout the day, he proceeds to hire additional workers um, for shorter periods of time. So in other words, the first workers go out at six, the next go out at nine, then noon, then one, then finally at the end of the day. So that finally at the end of the day, the last wave of workers, the last shift, has only have only worked one hour, um, while the ones who have um, participated from the beginning or working from the beginning have worked 10 hours. When it comes time to collect their wages, the ones who worked more thought, well, we deserve more money. And But in fact, Jesus says the vineyard owner gives them all a denarius. And of course, the people who worked more think this is not fair. And this should resonate with us, right? We're, 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 a, we're a country, we're a culture, a society of people that's oriented towards fairness and justice and what is right and what is wrong. And Jesus's whole point here is the people who worked longest and were paid the same as those who worked the shortest um, don't have a complaint, don't have a gripe. They simply did what they were commanded to do. That, that, that's what's fair. The, the scandalous part of this parable, I think Jesus is telling us, is the grace, is the extravagant grace of the vineyard owner. The fact that he is allowing anybody to be a part of his vineyard and workforce is a gift, it's a grace. But the fact that he is paying everyone exactly the same regardless of how little or much they work, the spotlight then is on the extravagant mercy and generosity of the vineyard owner. And this was really, I think, directed to the Pharisees and Sadducees, who again, Jesus said, you know, I mean, they, they had the idea that they had been the faithful ones following Jesus, uh, or fo- I'm sorry, following God, Yahweh, for the longest amount of time. But here all you have these tax collectors and sinners think they can get on the gig too, get in on the gig. And Jesus is saying, listen, they're coming into the kingdom ahead of you, okay, because um, they recognize they're sick and they need a doctor. And so they know their need for grace. And so this parable is meant to show that you think you deserve more, but reality, none of us deserve any. And because none of us deserve any, anything we get, okay, is by the pure mercy and grace of God. And again, it flips this idea for us of fairness and justice on its head. God, why aren't all saved? It's rather, why are any saved? None deserve it. None deserve to be a laborer. None deserve the denarius. And so Jesus, again, is, is turning the world's economy upside down. Now, the second episode, Jesus foretells his death a third time. This is just straightforward teaching. He pulls the disciples to the side and says, listen, I've got to tell you one more time. <laughs> I think this is the third time he's warned them. I'm going up to Jerusalem to die, and I'm going to be crucified, and I will be raised on the third day. And again, 
whether the disciples refused to believe it, didn't understand it, it didn't compute. We know that ultimately they had to look back on these sayings and realize, okay, Jesus was in charge of his death from the very beginning. And I think part of what Matthew was wanting to do here, he's just showing us how incongruous this is with the worldly values. A king should be going up to Jerusalem to reign, not to die, not to die. Again, it flips this idea of the kingdom of God upside down. The third interaction we see in this passage is a mother's request. So this is James and John's mom. This is the apostle, okay, John, um, they, the sons of thunder. Um, we know that James was one of the first apostles martyred in the early church. But, but, but James and John and Peter, remember, formed that sort of inner circle with Jesus, and they were the ones on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they've already seen Jesus rebuke Peter for Peter um, attempting to think about his kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, as this present-day reality where he would be able to reign with him. Remember, he rebuked Peter because Peter didn't want Jesus going up to die. And so maybe James and John, the mother, maybe, maybe they saw their opening and like, well, Peter just got sat down on the sideline. We're going to make our move. And they ask for this idea that, hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, and remember, they're thinking, like this week, when you come into your kingdom, put one of us on your right, put one of us on your left. In other words, give us preeminence, give us prominence in your, in your kingdom. And again, we see G Jesus rebuking this, okay, and, and saying, listen, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you have to be able to drink the cup that I am to drink. And, and again, that's a metaphor from the Old Testament. Um, it means suffering, wrath, judgment. As Jesus was about to drink this cup um, for us, his disciples were going to be called to drink it with him. So, so, so again, what we're seeing is to be a part of the kingdom of God doesn't mean that we reign in an earthly sense. It means that we are called to suffer alongside of Jesus for his namesake. Now, what's interesting is that the other 10 heard about this request and they were offended. They were fired up. But this wasn't a righteous indignation, right? They were just upset because they hadn't asked first. Uh, they were all sort of jockeying for position. And Jesus, again, is flipping this idea of the kingdom upside down and saying, look, Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, finally, we're in, Jer we're in Jericho, and here Jesus heals two blind men, and kind of seems a little out of place. Okay, what does this have to do with the theme that Matthew has been hitting on? But we get a clue about this, that when it says that these two blind men were sitting by the roadside in Jericho, and we know the names of name of one of them was Bartimaeus, and that's from Mark's gospel. And the reason that Mark probably names him is that Bartimaeus was known to the early church. He was uh, a disciple of Jesus at some point um, in the early church. But, but here, Matthew, that's not Matthew's concern. Matthew has a different emphasis. And, and here is that we see uh, these two men calling out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, here's the key. Look at verse 31. It says, the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. Now, now, what is that about? Well, at this point, the fact that Jesus could do miracles, everybody knew that. They were waiting for Jesus to take it to the next level, the next step. They wanted Jesus, um, through 
through the demonstration of his power, now to use that power to go up to Jerusalem to reign. And a mighty king like Jesus couldn't be bothered by having to stop and attend to two beggars. This was menial tasks. These were, this was not fit for a king. And, but Jesus, again, makes a point of stopping. What do you want me to do for you? Um, he heals them. He touches them. He, he casts their blindness away. And once again, okay, again, we're hitting that same thing over and over and over again. The first will be last. The king has come to serve. The king has come to die. The king has come to establish a kingdom not of this world. The first will be last. The last will be first. Um, the, we must be prepared to drink the cup okay, that Jesus drank on our behalf. So you see where all this is going? Do you see, do you, do you, do you see how, radically, um, how radical these words were, not just to the time, but for us now? Because this is not the language we traffic in. Just think about all the ways that we have been consumed and full of worry and fear about what's happening to our lives around us, right? What's happening because of COVID? What's happening because of these riots and civil unrest? And what is this gonna mean for me? What is this gonna mean for my job? What about my family, my money, my, 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 right? And I'm right in there with you guys. But Jesus is saying, the problem is that you are looking to this life to establish a kingdom that um, I did not intend to establish in this world. Um, I'm, I'm flipping this whole thing upside down and showing you that the way to peace, the way to um, righteousness, the way to the glory of God is through the path of suffering and lowliness. And such as it ever will be, for Oaks, for the people of God this side of heaven. And any, any blessing that we receive in earth, whether it's family or friends or the community of God, forgiveness of sins, it's all of grace. It's all of grace. And we thank him for it every day. And that, my friend, is Matthew 20. And hopefully tomorrow, Matthew 21, there'll be no technical difficulties. We'll launch out right on time. But let me pray. Lord, as we go out today, help us to see the world as it truly is. Help us to see that um, through the brokenness of this creation and the broken lives of people, you are doing a new work. But it's come at a great cost, the cost of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we want to follow him today. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks for hanging in there with us today, Four Oaks. See you.